Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing week. It is Rosh Hashanah this week, which is the Jewish New Year. So to those who celebrate wishing you a Shana Tova Umetuka, which is a sweet and happy New Year. And just in honor of the Jewish New Year, we are getting a brand new season of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I cannot Wait, I am so excited. I think at the end of last season, I was exhausted because the season lasted six months, but I don't know what it is. I am just all in on Salt Lake and I am so ready. And I also can't wait for Potomac, but that's still a few more weeks away. Well, I think this week was very exciting for fans of Bravo, especially when we found out that none other than John Hamm is a fan of the Housewives franchise. He said he started watching Jersey and he has gotten really into Beverly Hills and someone needs to tell him about the real Housewives of Potomac. I just, I need to hear what he has to say about all of this. It was it was definitely fun to find out. It's always fun to find out who watches Housewives. Like when we found out that Michelle Obama watched The Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, I felt proud of myself for also watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> Speaking of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, they're making us fans do a little bit of extra work, a little bit of investigation to kind of find out some things that were said and done that weren't shown on the show. Very similar to The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I think for those of us watching the reunion, it seems that Kenya is really harsh towards Marlo. But what we're not getting is why. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but allegedly, when there is the huge argument that happened between Kenya and Marlo, Marlo alleged that Kenya used an egg donor to conceive baby Brooklyn, and that because she hadn't been forthcoming about her choices to start a family, that she was lying to everyone and she was a liar and not an honest person. And this reminds me very much of the situation between Brandy and Adrian Maloof, who was able to have children via a surrogate, uh, but her children didn't know and she didn't want it discussed on the show. And I just think it is such a horrible thing of Marlo to try and air out something that really is none of our business. I think Kenya has been very forthcoming about many, many things in her life. And if this is something that happened and she isn't ready to share that with the world or chooses not to share that with the world, then that is 100% her choice. And I can see how anyone talking, but Marlo, talking about Brooklyn and how Brooklyn came to be was just a step too far. And I feel like that explains why 
Kenya may be behaving the way that she is behaving towards Marlo on the reunion and during the whole second half of The Real Housewives of Atlanta this past season. So I am firmly on Team Kenya on this one, and I just... I need Marlo to work on herself so that she doesn't behave this way. And part of me wonders if it's even possible because she has behaved this way her whole life. She goes real low and then she expects people to forgive her. And yeah, we talk about it a bit in uh, this week's episode. I'm also on an upcoming podcast with Taria from the What Else is Going On podcast. I believe that comes out on Tuesday. So please go ahead and check that out. I share a lot more thoughts on Atlanta and Beverly Hills and all sorts of stuff. Talk about my family. Um, anyways, a couple thoughts on Southern Charm this week. I don't know. I can't believe that the season finale is already here next week. It feels like such a disjointed season. I'm confused at who's a full-time cast member and who's not. We haven't seen much of Catherine Dennis. Now there's potential allegations around the fact that she showed up to filming with a black eye. I hope that she is safe, and I, I very much worry about her and that whole situation. I am interested to see the reunion because the way that they put together the season was just so disjointed and bizarre. However, I did enjoy the last few episodes when they're on this trip in an island in Georgia and were forced to see Craig and Naomi spend a lot of time together. It doesn't go very well. I am definitely warming up to Olivia. She's really growing on me. I think she treats uh, the other people on the cast with kindness, and I haven't seen that on the show much. Um, I mean, no one is as kind as Taylor, but Olivia is definitely growing on me. And I spent a lot of time kind of contemplating while I was watching this why Craig is so angry and why Naomi just triggers something in him. And I definitely understand why she triggers something in him. He is upset at how she treated him, and he doesn't like to be talked down to, and all of that stuff. But Craig has been pretty forthcoming that during his time dating Naomi, he was in the deep throes of an Adderall addiction. He also says that he used other drugs, and um, it was not it was not a good situation that he was in. And while he is no longer abusing those drugs, he still is drinking, and you know he's not living a sober lifestyle. So he never really went through sort of the twelve steps that many people who've suffered with addiction go through, where they try to right wrongs. And I believe that Naomi feels very wronged by him; that she kind of stood by him and was with. Him him in this addiction and tried to sort of cover for him f for a lot. And then she started to resent him because of his behavior and his addiction. And I don't think that he's made peace with her and how he treated her. He kind of only views it as how he was the one that was mistreated. And I believe both of them mistreated each other and have very valid reasons for why they are upset with the other one. And I really wish that they could kind of rise above. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's something for a future season. I also really appreciated Vanita 
giving her a real honest opinion and telling Naomi, hey, like you could acknowledge his feelings. And to have Naomi get so harsh on Vanita and tell her to shut up and then not to apologize for telling her to shut up was uh, very illuminating on the type of person that Naomi is. And I like Naomi, right? I, I empathize with her. I find her to be more relatable than probably all of the other cast of characters on this show. But it showed me that she has this idea of what loyalty is and you will show undying loyalty towards me and you will never disagree with me, especially on camera. And I think you can get upset with your friends, but telling them to shut up is, it's a nasty thing to do. And um, it made me feel pretty crappy for Vanita, but I really appreciate how she stood her ground. And she's like, you are not going to treat me this way. And yeah, um, I wish Taylor would do the same with Shep. He just, he just doesn't seem to abide by the basic rules of human decency and seemed confused why other people it's like there's this social contract that he doesn't think he's a part of and when people bring it up like how you should be kind to your girlfriend and you shouldn't shout at her and you shouldn't try to control her behavior he's like they're all picking on me (laughs) it's just like it's really uh, it's something else We'll see how the reunion uh, shakes up with that show. And it sounds like the last episode is really going to be a doozy because a bunch of stuff goes down with Leva, who has had no drama the entire season. She's basically been in her kitchen making cookies with her son, Lamar Jr. I have no idea why she's on the show, but I guess a bunch of drama goes down at the end. And uh Yeah. It'll be, I'm looking forward to this, this reunion. You know how some seasons of shows, the reunion is so much better than the show. I feel like that keeps happening on Southern Charm. Like I don't love the show, but I love the reunions. All right, guys, I have a great show for you today. Philip Mack from Stella McCartney is here. I am so excited for you guys to listen to his hot fashion takes and He's just so fun and so funny. We also get to talk a bit about what's happening in the UK right now with the death of the Queen and all the stuff going on with Prince Harry and and Meghan and, and all of that jazz. One quick announcement is that I am doing a deep dive podcast with someone in a couple weeks that talks about the sort of Bravo online universe and you know, how housewives are treated and how we treat each other. And it led me kind of down a bit of a rabbit hole where I discovered this psychologist that wrote a paper in 2004 on what is called the online disinhibition effect. Um, And it's basically saying that there are certain things that happen by just being online that lower your inhibitions, things like not being able to make eye contact with the person that you're talking to, that lead you to behave differently than you would in real life. 
And I'm going to see if I can find this psychologist. I hope he's still alive, honestly, uh, and see if I can talk to him or another psychologist who is an expert in online behavior, because I feel like for those of us that spend some time, and for me, it's much more in the outskirts of the online Bravo universe, it's become incredibly toxic, uh, particularly amongst Americans, but it's you know, people all over the world have very strong opinions on things that are happening on these shows. And the way that we talk to each other and communicate and the way that Bravo accounts communicate with one another, I feel like has taken a turn towards just complete darkness. And I'm curious as to why. And I don't think it's unique to the Bravo online universe. I think it's all sort of online communities have levels of toxicity, and I'm just very fascinated by it. And so if any of you know someone who is a psychologist and maybe an expert in human behavior or online behavior or knows someone who is, please point me in their direction. I am trying to get another deep dive episode because I find this uh, honestly horrifying and fascinating. All right, guys, uh, we are about to chat with Philip. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please give it five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you have anything to tell me, whether it be, you know, constructive criticism, I am all ears. You can reach me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. All right, we are going to take a very short break and back with Philip Mack. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I am here with Philip Mack, who is the global head of content and editorial at Stella McCartney. And dare I say, he's even more of a fashionista than Dorit Kemsley. Welcome to the podcast, Philip. Oh, thanks, Mandy. I am so honored to be here and even more honored, perhaps, to be in the esteemed company of one Dorit Kemsley. This has fully made my day, my month, my year. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I've got to ask, like, what does it mean to be the global head of content for Stella McCartney? I know nothing about fashion, as you can see, as I'm I'm wearing a a sweatshirt that says um, Sister Bay on it. It's the town in Door County I vacation in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. Um, I I mean, basically, my job is just to be, uh, I am kind of the mouth of the brand. Okay. <laughs> Which, you know, I basically, I just do all the writing. Um, I oversee everything. So I work really closely with Stella herself and our PR teams and kind of just make sure that, you know, the way people talk about the the fashion is the way that we want them to talk about it. And then, you know, so we just had a, a campaign launch the other day with um, Sadie Singh from Stranger Things, which was super exciting. 
Cool. Um, if everyone wants to go look at that on Instagram at Stella McCartney. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I have to, this would be a good time for me just to say a quick little disclaimer that of course my opinions do not reflect Stella's. So I know a lot of the women on this shows are aware of our stuff. Um, Sutton wears it a lot. Uh, Diana in that scene where she says to Sutton, uh, or where she calls her a see you next Tuesday by the fireside. Also wearing one of our jumpsuits. (laughs) Amazing. I would never know that. I never know what they're wearing. I always enjoy the clothes, but I don't know the brands and I don't know how to tell them apart. You know? I that is like half the reason I love watching now, you know. It's like, which is funny because that's not the reason I started. I started like in the OG days with Orange County and they were wearing those hideous sky tops. Sky tops, you know? yes. <laughs> I mean, it was like whenever you like I rewatch some of the old series, especially OC, it's like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe we thought this was fashion. Like, but then, you know, it's um, now when I watch it's, you know, I'm always looking out to see if they're wearing our stuff or like, you know, especially like someone like Dorit, who's like, she's not even a fashionista. She's like a fashion victim. Like you stitch a logo onto something and she'll. You know, strut out in it, which is not shade that is not shade on Dorit I love you Dorit if you're listening <laughs> oh my god if Dorit was listening I don't even know what I would do I, I find her and PK and their cute little family to be so endearing and entertaining and Phoenix and Jagger are two of my most absolute favorite kids and I just I just find them so endearing Um, so you are based in the UK, and there's been a lot happening there in the last few weeks. We haven't talked about it on the podcast, but you know, do you have anything to kind of share about what it's been like living there with the Queen's death and how it's sort of impacted daily life? Oh my gosh. I mean, um, you know, I'm from Canada originally, so I grew up with the Queen being on all of our money. Um, you know, we, she's very, it's British history is really woven into the narrative that they teach us in school. So, you know, the queen has been like a long time part of my life and to live here and to live through this has really been quite interesting. You know, it feels like, um, I don't know. It feels like it's, um, we're in a bit of a cultural shift at the moment. Um, you know, the, everything kind of froze for the weekend where, uh, really for like a week and the 10 days leading up to her funeral. And I think there's a lot, a lot of talk now where, you know, there's some people who really, who really loved her, but don't really love Charles. Um, I see. And then there are like the actual people who are the, the monarchists. And I think it's quite generational. Like it's, you know, people who are kind of in their early thirties, like me are not really, are not generally that keen on the monarchy anymore. Whereas, you know, I think the the older folks and people who don't live in London are quite keen. So it was just so funny because it was like everyone basically piled into central London on Monday for the funeral. Um, and, you know, you had these like stories of David Beckham queuing there for 12 hours with, um, you know, with everyone else. Which... Yeah, the rest of the population. Exactly. And so really in that, I think it was really unifying in that moment, but I think in the long term, Liz's death will actually probably, probably shouldn't call her Liz, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We're on a first name basis here. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's an American podcast. I'm fine. But, uh, you know, I think, um, I think that I, it'll probably end up being what undoes maybe the United Kingdom, which is a bit, bit crazy. But, you know, there's a lot of talk that Scotland is going to separate and Ireland is going to go become reunified. So mm-hmm. um, I think now that the mourning period is coming to an end, we're starting to see some real cracks in society here. Um, on the plus side, I mean, I know, I find it so fascinating how much my American friends are, you know, fascinated by the Royal thing, considering that America actively wanted to leave. Right. (laughs) It's so funny how, you know, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, you know, America declared itself independent of the monarchy. And then now we're just like so obsessed with like William and Kate and, and Harry and, and Megan, I mean, do you think it's sort of because the family dynamics are so juicy, I guess? Like, there's just so much drama there, and we're watching it almost as if it's not real people. Yeah. I mean, it, in a way, they almost, like, I feel like they are real people in the sense that reality stars are real people, too, you know, or leading their real lives. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's reality, but it's also so performative and through so many different lenses and like so contextual and situational too. Like it's like, I I think it must be really tough to be a royal because it's like you, your life would just be so. um, It's under a, a microscope and staged. And what's so funny is they have these like royal experts all the time yeah. on TV. And it's just like, it reminds me of us as housewives fans and like we think we know what's really happening behind the scenes and this is what Kenya really meant and this was what Marlo was trying to do and when she sat you know and we're like the seating chart and what it means closer to Andy and it's like we don't really know and they don't really know and we're all just kind of like (laughs) oh my god the the housewife speculation that happens on Instagram, honestly, I like de moi, all of these things, I live for it. Um, also, funny royal story, too. I don't know if you ever watched Ladies of London, but a little bit of tea. When I first moved to the UK, I was set up on like a professional friend date, obviously platonic, with Juliet Angus's husband. Her, like, oh, I do remember her. Yeah, her like hot Canadian husband, Angus. Um, and he had started a, he basically had started the Netflix of royal content. So I like, I lit- I cannot remember what it's called, save my life. But it was like, it was basically just streaming only royal content and basically for Americans only because Americans are so obsessed with the royal family. That is like, so funny. I mean, he must be like raking it in right now, too. Like, it's like someone's got to be paying for Juliet and all of her um, her mini dresses. But I mean, it's yeah. I I definitely think that he's probably doing quite well at the moment. Oh my gosh, I'm sure he is. Um, well, it must have been really interesting to live through this part of history in the UK and to bear witness to it. It's so interesting that you said that the people in London maybe aren't as keen on the monarchy as the people outside of London. And I just find that endlessly fascinating. And I find 
people outside the UK's obsession with the monarchy fascinating too, because it's tied to so many horrible, horrible things that have happened in world history. And yet it's still revered by so many people. I've I don't know. And I knew very, very little of like anything about the monarchy. I just missed it somehow. Like it wasn't really taught to me in school. The only thing I remember is my mom loved Princess Diana. She loved her um, and the charity work that she did and that kind of stuff. But I didn't know much else. Uh, And I met Prince Harry about six years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. He is very attractive. Like, I never thought he was attractive prior to meeting him. He's very tall, very Mm -hmm. handsome, um, very serious. He was so serious. I couldn't get over it. And I've told the story on the podcast before, but I was um, last minute staffing someone at the International AIDS Conference who was on a panel with him and who he was interviewing. And so we were in the green room in advance. And he was very kind, very serious, took his role very seriously. But fun fact, this was July 2016. He was secretly dating Meghan Markle at the time. And that was their Africa trip. So we were in Durban, South Africa. And they then went and toured a bunch of places and visited animal sanctuaries and things, bonding over what they really care about, which is you know, supporting children and animals and all of that. So. I mean, I have such gingivitis for him. Hilarious. He's so cute. I was more starstruck by Elton John, who was also at this, in this green room. So I was like, so focused on Elton John. But the girl that I was staffing was like, thought Prince Harry was so cute. And, you know, and I I truly didn't know anything about, I don't know, I just didn't know a lot about the family and or anything. And now I feel very strongly that I, whenever him and Megan speak, which isn't that often, right? I really resonate, like what they say resonates with me. And I feel so proud of them for pursuing their own safety and happiness and protecting themselves and their children. And for the life of me, have a lot of difficulty understanding why that would be a problem for anyone. I mean, the media here is so vile, too. The tabloids are absolutely atrocious so it's like i to me if i could i would up and move to california too right and Uh, you think i mean the tabloids in california can be bad right you see what they did to britney spears and and others and now we're looking back and saying wow we treated britney poorly we treated jessica simpson poorly we treated and it's like could we take a minute and maybe think about who's being treated poorly in the media now and ask ourselves can we stop this like, do we need to pick apart everything that they do? And I feel like with Meghan Markle, it's just an unusual obsession that some people have. Uh, yeah. Picking her so, apart. I know. It's so cool. I feel like here, too, it's so based in racism. Um, like, in the UK, especially. It's just, like, it's not, like, a... 
you know, Kate never faced the same level of scrutiny then. And same uh, with that, Kate. Like, uh, people don't need to hate on her if they like Megan and vice versa. Like, we don't need to, like, <laughs> this isn't Housewives. Come on. Um, but speaking of Housewives and Queens, shall we uh, dive into the Atlanta reunion? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. So as someone who works in fashion, I've got two questions for you. One, what did you think of them all wearing the same color for the reunion? And two, were there any outfits that stood out to you, either good or bad? Oh my gosh. I mean, I love a monochromatic moment, though when I when I look actually at all of them, it does feel a bit too same samey. Okay. Like it's like I do I appreciate what they were trying to do. It just feels like they were trying to do so much with this whole reunion in general. Like it was like, you know, it was all in the same color. It was like, they've got the moat, they've got the birds, like the birds were too much. I can't, I can't. uh, (laughs) And when you're listening and the TV volume is turned up loud, you you sound like you're in a jungle. (laughs) I mean, like at first I was like, we love a theme. We love a theme in this house, but like it was maybe a little too much. Um, really gone to the birds as they might say but yeah I mean so far as like you know if any of them really stood out as being bad I mean everyone or good good. I mean I thought Sheree looked amazing yeah like Sheree always brings it um maybe not in her own fashion line but in her own fashions (laughs) she always brings it um but I mean you know I think I think Sonia is is like Sonia Sonia um her hers was so controversial everyone has such strong opinions on it and I was like looking at it and I was like I understand where her and her stylist were going there's a lot of trends happening there that are very on point right now like having one long sleeve and one sleeveless exactly asymmetry this little crystal moment she had going on it was mesh and I was like this also I feel like it really works for her it kind of had it almost it almost looks like a like an athletic uniform in a way. Oh yeah. You know, and like, I, I, I'm kind of sensing like, you know, the crystals are like an homage to like the American flag, which would also be like very on brand with like the sorts of uniforms I should have worn. Mm. But like, you know, I star spangled banner aside, I do think that like in general, it was a bit of a, it was just too many things going on um, in one look. And I don't know. I just, it wasn't, I don't think it was as bad. I understand the thought behind it. And so I think because of that, I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be. I don't think any of them look terrible. You know how like when you're going back to the Salt Lake City reunion, I mean, that was atrocious, right? But this, I thought they all looked great. There were some looks I thought were better than others, but I appreciated and I appreciated Sonia's like understated makeup and um, understated hair with that like wild outfit wait let's take a quick detour just because i've never have anyone on that knows stuff about fashion and you are like the you know top of the tier in terms of fashion stuff so which franchise do you think has the um best fashion i would say is it beverly hills just because or or aside from beverly hills who mm. are you watching for looks? Oh my gosh. I mean, I th- 
I honestly, I hate to say it, but I do think it is Beverly Hills. Right. And the reason I say I hate to say it is because like Beverly Hills is that show where it's like, they've got the stylist, they've got the glam, they've got, you know, the whole, they've got the whole nine yard. But I also think they're just, they're you know, they, they live in Hollywood. So they're primed for these things. And like, you know, it's a, it's a part of, it's the part of the world where having a stylist is quite normal. And I'm sure mm-hmm. most of them have for a year. So it's like, it's, I, I say the reason I hate it is because like, I think on a lot of the other series, there are, there are people for better or for worse who articulate their own style by buying their own clothes. Giselle being o- the most like obvious example, you know, like <laughs> Giselle definitely picks her own clothes, usually for the worse sometimes, you know, and, but she's, she's expressing herself her way. Right. Um, which I think is re- like, you know, I think that's really endearing. And I, I like that level of authenticity. Um, is there but, any housewife that stands out to you as having good fashion, not a housewife on, on Beverly Hills? Is there someone who you're like, oh, I think they've got good style? You know, I always, I mean, I love a downtown girl. So the first, you know, couple of people that I, I immediately go to New York, mm. you know, I think, um, you know, I think. I mean, Marlo also actually does have great style a lot of the time. Um, if you're like into that kind of branded look, she can really pull off like a, she can really pull off like a, a strong look, a Luke, as they'd say. But um, yeah, I mean, I love a Carol from New York. Oh, um, I love a Carol. Um, actually, oh, that's sad. I do some of the Miami women too. Yeah. Miami women really bring it. Our recently returned queens. I mean, they this past season they were looking incredible. All of them, All just of them absolutely. Except for I don't think Adriana looks good. Right, I think no. she's something's off with her style, and she's trying to show too much cleavage and like something's off with it. But I've kind of always thought something was off with her style. But Alexia and um who else? Gertie's gorgeous Gertie's with her good. style. I mean Gertie's so beautiful. And oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the, the doctor Nicole. The doctor. Nicole very more understated but very chic. Yes. I really liked her too. She was very chic. Um, oh, the friend of to the model, she was so oh, beautiful. Was it Kiki? Kiki, yeah. Kiki had great style too. Yeah. But she's also one of those people that everything looks good on her. You know, <laughs> she's one of those people that could wear anything and it would look incredible. And th- you know, there's very few people that are like that. And especially on these shows, she stands out. Kenya released it out to me this season in terms of fashion. And granted, I know nothing about fashion, but the outfit that she wore to Sheree's fashion show was one of my favorite looks I've ever seen. I mean, I think Kenya, I love her like hair and she's always got her hair blown out in different ways. And yeah, she's, I love her looks. And she, yeah, she, I think she's also one of those ones though where it's like, you can kind of feel the subtle hand of a stylist now in her looks. Oh, that's like, probably it. No it. Okay. It, it doesn't feel <laughs> like she looks amazing, but it's like, I don't think she's like, I don't think that's just like, you know, Kenya more hair care. Like, right. I love you know. that term, the subtle hand of a stylist. <laughs> I, it's, 
honestly if you you can kind of you see the glow you know when like people are always like oh yeah they got like a second season glow up it's like that's usually part of it i see so it's not just the procedures they're getting done and the vampire facials and the neck lifts it's getting someone to kind of coordinate their wardrobe exactly i mean it's all it's all part and parcel Um, so Back to the reunion. I just had to ask you those questions. Um, what do you th- make of sort of the Kenya versus Marlo, which we saw a lot of on um, this past week? Oh my gosh! I mean, I I really wanted to love Marlo this season. I wanted more than anything to love Marlo this season, and I'm a sucker for a friend of. I'm such a sucker for a friend of. I always root for the underdog in life and i like you know like victoria beckham over jerry hallowell any day you know but it's like i i just like it just feels like she she couldn't ever she couldn't ever stick the landing she's she's made a name for herself where she retaliates by going overboard and you know it just it just came off like it just came off really mean a lot of the time. It was really hard for her. I know. She also, I feel like, manufactured drama when it was unnecessary and it felt less authentic. Like when she was getting mad at Candy, I'm like, why are you going after Candy right now? You know, and just obsessing over Kenya, potentially lying about being sick. I mean, this is a weird things to kind of hold on to. Did you feel any differently about her after hearing her sort of childhood stories? To be honest, I I mean like I, I know a lot of, I, I know a lot of people were really like, you know, people were saying they were like choking up hearing her and stuff. But at this point, I just feel a bit calloused, you know, where it's like, I don't know. I think it's I think where she really lost me was um the way that she was treating her nephews. Yeah. That same for me. I just like, I I don't know. It felt like there was some, after that, I was just kind of like, I don't know if I can get, I can get back on board with the Marlowe train. It was just hard to watch her do the thing to them that she had done to her. 100%. When Candy pushed or, you know, pointed that out in the most recent reunion in the part two. Yeah. And we're just like, you know, what happened to you? You did to your nephews. And Marla, you know, Marla rolls out that excuse where she's like, oh, yeah, but like, you know, foster parents get training, but I, um, you know, I never got any training. And I was like, what better training is there than having experienced it yourself? Well, I mean, I, the, the hard part with that, I think, is that people experience things that are bad or negative, And then they say, Oh, I'll never do that. That was so horrible that it happened to me. And then they're the very people that repeat the patterns. I mean, that's why domestic violence still exists is most people that are perpetrators of violence, were victims of it themselves, or grew up in a household where their dad hit their mom. And and they said, oh, I would never hit someone. I saw how my mom suffered. And then they hit their girlfriend. And it, it's so hard to break these these cycles. But for her to say, oh, foster parents get training. I mean, she has a lot of resources. As soon as those boys moved in with her, she could have gotten some support. How do you 
raised teenagers, talking to friends, talking to, you know, psychologists, you know, child psychologists, and trying to understand the trauma of what they've been through. I think she's so focused on her own trauma that she's not acknowledging what they're actively experiencing in that moment with their mom, with their grandma. I had no idea that Marlo's mom was watching those kids and was actively neglectful of them, not around, not making them dinner, not making sure they did their homework, not ho- you can't leave children unattended no. just not for days. I mean it's it's horrible. I know. I mean also, I mean again, I think with Marlo this season the kind of the common thread has been that she will she's willing to do anything and throw anyone under the bus for what it seems just to be able to keep her peach, mm-hmm. whether, you know, that is destroying Candy's reputation, saying horrible things about Kenya, or rolling out her her own mother's trauma, trying to, you know, her sister, trying to get her sister on the line with her nephews, or like, you know, rolling out this kind of trauma that she is sort of inflicting upon her nephews in front of the camera too. Like, it just, it seems like there was no line that she wasn't willing to cross this season. And I feel like it was just... I think it's because there were never any lines or boundaries in her life. So she doesn't have any. And so she routinely crosses them and then wonders why people can't forgive. Because, you know, I think with her family, people would like yell and scream and then the next day be like, act as if that didn't happen. And I felt that so intently in Jamaica when she went after Candy and Todd and then the next day on the bus was just trying to talk to them like everything was fine. So true. It is, yeah, that kind of classic behavior of someone without boundaries, right? Where it's like they go into this extreme and then once they've calmed down or once the situation is over, they're like, why isn't like... Why aren't we back to square one? Like Right. They don't realize. And maybe this is a good segue for Beverly Hills. Because oh. <laughs> I think these are women without boundaries. Right? Yeah. And I think Kathy, uh, give my take on it and then I'll ask you. I believe that she had a meltdown. I believe that we're not hearing the worst of it because she either threatened or took legal action. And so that doesn't mean that I'm like team Lisa Rinna or team Kyle or whatever. I believe multiple things can be true at once that Kathy can be kooky and funny and sweet and kind. And also sometimes a monster. I just think all those things can be true and we can still love her on our television show. But for me, when they start taking legal action to prevent footage or being shown in a certain light, that hurts the integrity of the show. And I don't like when she does it. I don't like when Diana does it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So watching watching this week's episode, it seemed like what actually was sh- the story told to us did not sound that bad. What are your thoughts? So you say. <laughs> that I know. Yeah, 
just constantly rolling it out at the worst times too oh it's so good it's oh. so funny um i mean i think i think she stormed back to kyle's house looking like ramona singer on that runway like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> crazy eyed i 100 percent believe that she she went off the deep end. She went off of some sort of like mental deep end that night. She, you know, some some button had been pressed and she was, to use the words of Lindsay Hubbard, activated. Yeah, uh, that's a good term. Activated. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, I, I do believe Lisa. And I, but I also think on the flip side, Lisa's being Lisa and Lisa's going to milk this for like, every drop of attention for an opportunity to throw Kathy under the bus because, you know, Kathy sits on team Garcelle, Sutton, and tangentially Crystal. So, like, you know, I think that Lisa does really have, like, an us versus them mentality. And this is... And really, this, I mean, this opportunity, they had obviously been trying to take her down this whole Aspen trip. And then she basically just laid herself out on a silver platter for them. Like, <sighs> it was, I mean, it, and who knows? I mean, who knows? I, I, again, just pure speculation, but it's like, what was maybe happening at the club on Lisa's part to kind of poke the bear, you know? And Perhaps. Perhaps. Although what's interesting is pretty much all of the women on the show in the last couple of weeks have said that they don't think that Lisa ordering the tequila, the 818 tequila, was actually meant to poke Kathy. Even Mm. Garcelle said that on Watch What Happens Live and that she had ordered that. Apparently, they showed the timeline a little bit different on the show where she had ordered that tequila before Kathy had even taken her tequila out. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I think there's, and this is when I get so interested in it. Also, I listened to Tamara and Teddy's podcast briefly. Was it last week? I can't remember. And you are so brave. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. I really enjoy Tamara's takes, but Teddy is always trying to give excuses for people's behavior. But she did say that Lisa Rinna and Crystal were going to leave with Kathy and that Crystal was stuck in coat check and texted them and said, I'm going to be waiting for a while. You can just go. And so I wonder how different it would have been if it was Crystal in that car and then there would be another witness. But I fully believe that there were cameras on in that car and that because of legal action, they didn't show it. I also believe that Kathy was at Caribou Club requesting Michael Jackson. The DJ didn't play it. And I, I, I believe that she allegedly used the F word as a gay slur. And just to note, apologies for me actually saying the word last week on the podcast. I, in conversations with gay men who were using the word and we were having that conversation, I was mirroring their language thinking that it was okay. And I realized not all people may think that saying that word is okay. And I am not a part of the community that's impacted by it. So 
just wanted to shout out and thank you to a listener and a friend who reached out and were like, just FYI, you may not want to be saying that. And I very much appreciate being called out or called in or whatever you want to. So just felt the need to to say that. And um, please uh, accept my apologies, listeners. Oh, well, on behalf of the gay community. <laughs> thank <you. laughs> Thanks for that, Maddie. That's very sweet. No, I, I, you know, sometimes you mirror language. I I would never say the N word because like it's been drilled into me that you don't say that word. But other words that are hurtful, it's like, well, if I'm not saying it and if I'm just repeating it, you know, but but that's not okay. And I take responsibility for saying that. I mean, I get it. It's like, it's one of those words that I think at least in, in our culture is a bit of a gray area still. Well, especially when it's like being reclaimed by certain people who like to refer to themselves as that as a way to like reclaim the word. And yeah, it's, but I I fully believe that Kathy may have said that word. I think 100%. Right. And I, I think then she was confronted about saying that word and then that's what led to the meltdown. I don't think it was her asking to do the conga line and no one wanting to do it. I think it was a combination of her trying to get people to drink her tequila and they didn't want to drink her tequila. They want to do the conga line. No one to do the conga line. Like she wanted to play Michael Jackson. They wouldn't play. It was like people weren't listening to her and she is used to getting what she wants. Yeah. I think um, I went a hundred. Like, I mean, also as if she had a mental breakdown over not doing the conga line. <laughs> Like, I literally, when Sutton said that, I actually burst out laughing. Me too. It's so funny to think about. Like, it's, it's so, so funny. There's like overly dramatic music. And then Sutton just be like, I just want to do a conga line. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I love your accent. Your impression yeah. of Sutton is just, it's, it's so funny. So, I mean, okay. Do you think that that Lisa is trying to overblow how bad the meltdown was? Or do you think it was actually really bad? I am so... I could honestly be convinced either way. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I could easily see Kathy... I think, to be honest, I think this is one of those things where it's like two things can be true. Right. Like, you know, it's like Kathy's personality, I think, has the potential and she's shown us this potential even on this trip, you know, where it's like, and again, maybe that what happened at uh, Kimosabe or whatever it's called, the the, the place, you think, you would think I would remember what it was called considering Kyle must have said it at least eight to 900 times during that episode but i am yeah you know that kind of like i feel like that was like the pre-tremors to the earthquake you know yeah like where like it was already like okay clearly she's feeling some kind of way about something and um but at the same time it's like lisa you know lisa's gonna lisa right lisa's gonna gonna lisa the the evidence that is on lisa's side is one Kathy writing on Rick Hilton's Instagram, get me out of here, which is a wild thing to try and tell your husband. 
And also the fact that she wouldn't get out of her room the next day. She wouldn't film. There were no cameras in the room. The door must have been locked. And she wouldn't fly home with them. And that she stayed like a couple of days after. I do believe that there could have been some sort of like mental break or something, right? But again, and when people have mental troubles, they often act in a way that is hurtful and difficult. And it's interesting to me that this is met with not just disdain, but like we're going to take her down and not let her get away with it versus potentially if you've never seen her behave this way, oh, she's a pillar of society. She's this wonderful mother. And then we see her just have a complete meltdown there appears to be no concern for Kathy, which if I saw someone behave that way, I would actually be concerned for their well-being. For sure. And I mean, but I mean, Lisa has like a history of this too. Like even with Kim, you know, she would like any of Kim's behavior, she would use against Kim, even if Kim clearly has addiction and mental health issues. Right. Um, I also do think though, to your point, like about how they, they didn't film her the next day. I think that lends credence to a lawsuit of some sort too, where they just were not allowed. Cause I mean, if Bravo, of course, Bravo would show Kyle going down there and knocking awkwardly on the door. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Kathy being, you know, at least groaning from the other side of the door and saying like, don't, don't come in or I'm not no. getting out. Yeah. I, exactly. I fully believe. And I do think it messes with the integrity of the show. And if you're not willing to come on and truly show yourself, then you shouldn't be on the show. And I find Kathy's social media behavior really interesting that she's kind of like loves that the fans love her, are kind of trying to promote all of the memes and everything. And at the end of the day, it just makes me sad because these are two real sisters and... I put the blame on their mom. I think their mom raised them in this environment where they were competitive with each other and not loving towards each other. And they bred resentment that has lasted well into their adulthood. And I worry that it's going to impact the next generation. Will Paris Hilton not go to Farah's wedding because of what's going on between their moms? I mean, that's... That's really sad. That is sad. And it's like, you'd think, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth too. Like, it's like, I think all roads lead back to big Kathy when it Mm -hmm. comes to the three sisters relationship issues. Um, But I'm, and you'd think, you know, they always, they roll out that tape of, um, of Kathy and Kyle at the reunion where they're both bawling their eyes out and, you know, they're talking about how they can't get the time back. And it's like the fact that they kind of just keep falling into these patterns where it's like, clearly they have a lot of love for each other, but they can't seem to break this, like this cycle of resentment. Yeah. It's resentment. And I think last season worked because Kathy got a great edit. She was beloved. It showed fun things between Kyle and her And they were able to be like, oh, wow, this show has been a positive experience. And when things are all going Kathy's way, I think she's able to, you know, kind of look inside and be like, this is this is sad and I feel bad about it. But then when things aren't going her way 
it's a whole other situation and she will defend herself and she will take down her sister. Yeah. It's really, it's quite grim actually that she's, I mean, but it's also, I don't know, kind of classic narcissistic behavior. Right. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking with the meltdown. But the thing is they're all narcissists. So it's funny to see like one call out another when they all have levels, like Erica has elements of it, Kyle has elements of it, like, you know, and I think Kathy has elements of it, right? 100%. I mean, this whole show is like a masterclass in narcissism, where it's like, you you know, and Erica is like the perfect example of like, she's gone on both sides of the spectrum of narcissism, too, because narcissists are like, can also be extremely charming, very- They usually are. Very fun and outgoing and as long as everything is going their way and everything's kind of tangentially about them then they're totally happy which was like erica in her first few, like erica pre money crisis because she was you know beloved and she was like the rich one and she had you know she was a pop star and now that she's you know on the others i'm not going to say now that she's poor because she's still living in a two million dollar house but right, you know, right. now that now that she is now that she has fallen upon harder times and potential alcoholism it's um <laughs> potential alcoholism. oh my god that whole thing it, it bothers me that dorit and others think that garcelle is 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 concerned about erica's drinking because of thing because she doesn't like erica or erica's behavior and that is that actually speaks more i think to dorit and these other women than it does about garcelle that they think that showing concern is is you can't have genuine concern because they're probably they probably don't have genuine concern right and so they always assume it's coming from a negative place and that i mean could Garcelle have handled it better? Could she have used different language? Sure. But I do believe that she was genuinely concerned. For sure. And I mean, like, like I personally don't really drink. And, like, I, I can always kind of spot on these shows people who, like, it's a bit like, mm. Eric, I think Erica is, like, Erica is a bit of a, a tricky one because she could just be very much situationally over drinking as well. Yeah. Like she's in a bit of, you know, she's in a bit of a hard time. Whereas like, you know, you watch like real housewives of New York and that's Sonia. Big, oh my God. Like that whole, like half of them. It's like, it's basically watching an AA meeting with cameras. Right. Like, but without like, being actually sober. So not, the, the, sober. The, it's like the AA f- like flashbacks of when they're talking about their, yeah, exactly. <laughs> their times where they would just stay up drinking all night and, yeah, oh it's, it's it's rough. So I would love to see Leah at an AA meeting just talking about how she threw tiki torches. <laughs> oh you know, my drinking brought me to this place where I was naked. I was throwing tiki torches. <laughs> oh oh man, yeah. Be like, so I was filming this reality show, and everyone's like staring at her. Like so many, they, they don't watch it. They don't know what she's talking about. Um, a dildo and chicken. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> like, what, what's going to come up? Um, yeah, Lee is an, an interesting one because I didn't realize how far back her addiction went because she didn't go into it until her book, which I didn't read, but I read about it. Okay, so speaking of Erica, though, I actually thought she was really likable this episode. And it made me realize that if she's not on the defense, 
she can be fun to watch. When she gets super defensive, that's when it's like, oh, she's angry. She can't show empathy. She feels like she can't give an inch or they'll take a mile. And it's like when she doesn't feel defensive, you actually get to witness like a human being. 100%. I... Honestly, like it is like Christmas in September. Every time her and Sutton make up too. Yeah. Like, like, when they're like, I like you too. And I was just like, oh my God, my heart. I like, love I- that. I want different dynamics in the friend group. I liked when Kyle was fighting with Erica and leaning on and Dorit and leaning on others in the group. I don't want them to only be like the four of them versus everyone else. It's not fun to watch. And I don't think it's actually true to how they feel. No. Right? I- it's only at the end of the season do like you see things sort of starting to fall apart. It's like they held on to this, you know, social contract for so long, but they're getting worn down and they're getting exhausted. And that's when you see the tears in the fabric. 100%. I mean, I did. I loved actually that conversation between um, um, Erica and Garcelle at Crystal's birthday party where, you know, Erica confronted Garcelle Garcelle, you know, responded responded very calmly and rationally and explained herself and apologized. And they just moved on. Yeah. It was like, I thought we were in a good place. You did something kind of shitty. And then she explains herself and they're like, okay, like we can, you know, we can move forward. And I was like, this is what this is what we need, you know? And I appreciated that Erica wasn't like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's like I would have appreciated a heads up where I heard it from you. And that's, I think, really valid. They're on a show together. They don't want to have surprises. She's getting enough surprises, I'm sure, with all the lawsuits that pop up. It's when I get frustrated with her is when she acts like she knows so much and I can't tell if she's just, like, dumb and doesn't understand or if she's purposefully misleading us by being, like, dismissed without prejudice. And, like, that's not a positive thing. Like, that's not a good, that's not good for you, right? Oh, that whole scene was just such a bad look where she's like, you know, gloating over this thing. And then, you know, and then Crystal. Like, and then the thing Crystal. that pissed me off, I was listening to Teddy and Tamara's pot. Now I'm remembering because they said something like, or Teddy said, oh, she, what's she on? They, they were both like, is she on Reddit? Like, how does she know that it's going to be refiled? I was like, because dismissed without prejudice means that it can be refiled in another jurisdiction. If you've read any legal article or article about the law, that happens a lot, right? Like something gets filed in one jurisdiction and then they're like, we're dismissing it here, but you can refile in California. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. And they're all acting as if you know, Crystal is like on Reddit trying to figure out sleuthing about Erica. I'm sorry, just because she's able to, just because she's like basic eighth grade reading comprehension and the rest of them don't, doesn't mean (laughs) that like she's trying to go against all of them. I don't know. That really bothered me when they were talking about her that way. Like she must be on Reddit. It was in the article. It's like... It just goes to show that, like, I feel like so, so often 
these women well like i don't know it feels like it feels like some like weird like high school mentality too where it's like almost like they they operate purely just on like some like weird like hierarchy scale where it's like because like if for some i guess in their perception too like erica is higher up on the pecking order than crystal mm-hmm. erica they will defer to erica and like believe what Erica is saying instead of Crystal, who is like just done some like very basic research, aka reading the article, yeah, and just spitting facts. And they're just like, oh, like why would like why would we possibly believe her? Like or like why would she be pulling this up? I don't know. It's like hierarchy seems to be a really big thing on Beverly Hills compared to some of the other franchises. I know, like on Atlanta, they like to say who's an OG and who's not. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that much in the show. For Beverly Hills, the women treat each other so differently depending on how long they've been on the show. It's like Dorit and Erica did not like each other in the beginning at all. And because they worked through it, now they have some sort of weird bond where they feel like we worked through it. Therefore, we're not going to call each other on each other's shit. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I mean, Dorit and... Dorit and Rena too. Yeah. Rena explained that Dorit was doing blow in her bathroom. And the guests uh, were guests doing coke yeah, in your bathroom. I mean, exactly. Rena loves to throw grenades and then acts like she's all innocent. She's oh, not yeah. innocent. And I wish any of them had the balls to ask her questions about her life and her kids. But that that would be low blow. And so no pun intended. <laughs> Yeah. And that, you know, they like there's all this stuff going on with her daughter at this time, you know, claiming her parents aren't helping with paying her therapy bills and all these other things. And it's like, well, we're not talking about your kids, which you've paraded on this program. It'd be totally different if it was like Erica, who never had her adult son on the show. And now we're talking about it like Lisa Rinna went out of her way to use the platform of the Housewives to try and launch her girls' careers. And now that things are not as rosy for one or two, you know, whatever, them, that she won't talk about it. And I just feel like it's really hypocritical. 100%. You know, Kyle does not parade her daughters around. They are not part of her storyline. They do not do confessionals. They are barely there. And, you know, I just feel like if you're going to show him, then, you know. I mean, I think Lisa, like, you know, Lisa saw what Yolanda did and she just wanted a little slice of that momager pie. But those girls have a work ethic. And, you know, there's something special about Gigi and Bella. Like, they clearly, you know... People love working with them. So not saying I don't know about. Yeah, I think the one of them is really having a moment. I'm pretty sure it's Amelia Gray. It's the one who is a little bit younger. Exactly. Exactly. She she's blowing up in fashion finally. But I think, um, yeah, we'll see what actually I don't think she'll ever get to like a Hadid level, but she's kind of like getting noticed by the by some of the um the more edgy brands. Oh, I that's so cool. I mean, I want what's best for their kids, you know? I just 
I don't know. Yeah. I just think Rinna is so opportunistic and so thirsty. I also believe in my heart of hearts that she has a severe addiction to her phone and social media specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think she behaves compulsively and I don't think that she can control herself even though she's harming herself and harming her potential job opportunity, she can't stop. And I find that really troubling. I mean, do you want her to come back next season? No, I actually, and it's not because, oh, I think she should be punished. I think she's not really showing anything of her own life. And I want to see Erica have relationships with the others. I want to see Dorit and Kyle have relationships with the others. I don't want it to be this like block of, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that Rena is, I like, I think that there is so much room for villainy in, you know, in housewives. I think one must respect one's villains Yes. Um, and like we need them, you know, like early seasons Camille, where would we be had she not invited her psychic friend over, gotten her blackout drunk and given her an e-cigarette? Like, like we would be nowhere in this world. Like it's You're so you know, we right. We need villains. And but, I think like, Erica is a good villain. I just want to see her play not the villain card all the time. I want to see someone else become a villain. Can Dorit be a villain for, I mean, it's, and it's like, are they a villain or is it just, you know, that season? I, I don't know. People take it a little bit too far. Also the, the fans with 100%. Like, fire this person. Fi- I think that Lisa Renna is not actually contributing much to the show anymore. No. And I don't, think, I don't think I don't it's think healthy it's for her to be on no i don't think she's a villain i think she's toxic she's different she's made that transition and like you know and someone else who did that vicky gunvalson like like, nini oh nini by the end was so it was so sad it was so sad because she was so fun and this is how i feel about rena like i thought rena season five was incredible like I loved her laugh. I loved her willing, even when she would call out. And by the way, I don't think she was truly wrong about the Munchausen syndrome. <laughs> I've said that before. <laughs> I, I don't think that that's actually what Yolanda had, but she was definitely making herself sick. I don't think she was doing it on purpose to get mm. sympathy, which is part of Munchausen's, but she was doing treatments for the ailments that she had that certainly made her worse right Yeah, and no one wanted to say it because they're like she's sick she's sick yes she's sick we all agree she's sick but (laughs) she was doing crazy shit like so um okay one last thing i wanted to touch on sheree we haven't seen a lot of sheree and then this episode she takes a gift that is meant for crystal from garcelle signs the card in highlighter i was howling i thought this was so funny i i thought it i mean this won me over i mean again i love a friend of Mm -hmm. but i was 
howling. I when they walk into the party and Cherie says to Crystal, "This gift is from us." And Garcelle mutters under her breath, "No, it's not." <laughs> it was that was funny. I felt like it was so cringe, though. Like it was funny, but it wasn't making me endeared to Cherie. I was like, "Ooh, girl, like you are cringy." Yeah, I mean, I think she like. I think that she's also realizing that she needs to like insert herself into the situation a little yeah. more. And she's trying to like roll out the shtick and like, I don't know. It was like, even when they were in Aspen, she didn't go out clubbing with them. It felt like she was absent from a lot of the activities. She wasn't in invited to the reunion, I don't believe. So I kind of want to mm. know what the deal is with Cherie. Like, did she, was she just a flop? Did, was she in more scenes, but they kind of edited her out? Man, not the Tracy edit. (laughs) Tracy, oh my God, that is the saddest thing. Tracy, oh, oh, Tracy Barber, just the saddest, saddest erasure. RIP, rest in Paramus. Like, (laughs) she really got done dirty last season. Oh, man. And I think they like her as a person. Like, I think they still invite her to things. It's just... Or maybe all the husbands like Tiki. That could be it, too. True. True. She was funny. Like, I'm not a mistress. It's like, all the evidence says that you are. And your husband basically said you guys were hiding out all the time. Yeah. Like, didn't they literally hide in the attic or something? Yes. And he um, made a joke about, like, Anne Frank... And it was in a Sports Illustrated article from like 2011. Like, oh, we were like Anne Franking. Oh, that makes me want to die when I hear things like that. I that know, whole. which is like if a Jew again, it goes back to like if a Jew says it, it's a little bit different. Um, but he was joking with someone, either his lawyer or someone who was Jewish, that that's what he was doing, and so he made the joke to a Jewish person who must have found it funny. But then the fact that he repeated it in this like Sports Illustrated article, it was rough, rough, rough stuff. (laughs) Oh man, I laugh because I'm so uncomfortable. Um, And that's kind of how I feel watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and watching everyone's reactions. I just feel like the audience is very split. Like you're either team Kathy or team Kyle or team. And it's like, all of these things can be true. Like Kyle can be a crappy sister and Kathy can also have had a meltdown. Right. Yeah. Rinna can lie repeatedly. She also could be telling the truth about this. Yeah. And, and I personally think she's telling the truth, but I do feel like she's embellishing it. So it's hard to know like where the, facts end and where the embellishment begins yeah but i would just what i would give for just a soundbite like right. a, a tiny bit of audio even that like you know that crappy blair witch project video that they had in ireland on oc <gasps> that was because someone i think like heather debro or someone like took out their phone and started filming on an iphone 11 yes you should they should always have have the cameras and they shouldn't let them go to the Caribbean club where there's no cameras. Like we should not allow, I, th- I think the production company and I think Bravo, the network has now learned that, you know, we don't want to let them hang out 
off camera so much because things will happen. And I think Beverly Hills, historically, they do this a lot. Like, okay, we're done filming. Let's go out. It's like, we want to see you when you're out and you're acting like you're not filming. We want to see the real you. 100%. I mean, like, sorry, that is my cat in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, kitty. Yeah, she has strong opinions. Total Erica fan. Um, (laughs) Pat the puss. Pat the puss. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, Philip, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find Stella McCartney fashions. So I am on Instagram at at Philip Mac. That's Philip with one L. Sorry, at Philip M Mac. So that's Philip with one L and then Mac spelled M-A-K. And then you can also follow Stella McCartney at askstellamccartney.com. Though, of course, I'm not here in an official capacity. I'm just here for the lols and to talk about Housewives. But this has been so nice, Mandy. I've really enjoyed every second of it. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to have you back on to rate different fashions. I almost like want to get your take at each reunion now. Like, oh my God. you know, even if it's just like one or two minutes, like, what do you think of the reunion looks like that kind of stuff? Because you're noticing stuff that I that I never do. And I I appreciate that. Like, you got me thinking when you were talking about Sonia's dress. And I was like, oh, like how one arm is like completely sleeved and then one isn't like that's cool these days. <laughs> like, should, should I buy a look like that to my friend's wedding next month? <laughs> Um, yes, asymmetry. <laughs> Very in right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, would love to be the for- or fashion correspondent for yes! Is This Real Life. Would fashion love that. Fashion correspondent. Love it. Love it. Well, I hope you have a rest of your day and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much, Mandy. We'll talk soon. 